Mini episode 1172 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1172. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And back with us here is... The first of the original, uh, or post-original dignitaries. Uh, we had our original group, and uh, the first guy to come on board thereafter, several months later, good friend Russ Cohen, part of the gang since 2007, also proprietor of the Great Sportsology site, author of countless books on the world of sports, uh, some of them about hockey, and uh, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the first part of the 2019-2020 NHL season, all of the big developments that have been going on thus far, and uh, there's a lot to talk about. It almost seems like more so than there would normally be at about the beginning of December in a, a normal season, but that's just my sense of it. We'll see what good friend Russ Cohen has to say. Russ, thank you, as always, for being here, my man. How are you today? Good. Always a pleasure. Yeah, I think there's a lot going on, and I do think uh, a little more than usual. I think even the, um, the GMs are feeling the pressure a little earlier than usual because Everything is so tight. It is, and that's one of the things I want to ask you about, because I was talking with a friend in recent days about this, and I don't think either one of us is missing anything by saying this, that when it comes to hockey coaching changes and the like, I think hockey's the most reactionary of the sports, the one, the major sports, the sport that takes less into account, well, what about the next couple of years? It all seems to be about this year that we're in. It really struck me a couple of years ago when Joel Quenville got let go, I think after, what, like three games? And it's not to say that that never happens in other sports. Mike Brown famously lasted, I think, like about four games with the Lakers, but that's because yeah, it was the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, like it seems to happen in hockey more often. And you look at it, and, and especially with somebody like Babcock, now the more we go along, the more we're finding out about the culture of things with the team there and that perhaps it had more to do with than, than where they were at in the standings. Uh, and indeed, that would almost kind of make more sense if they felt like they needed a culture change, because again, this was a long-term plan that they were invested in with Mike Babcock to lead this team going forward. And I'd I just I'd like to get the, your sense of this. If you agree that hockey seems a little bit more reactionary year to year, and, and what that's about, if it's about... In hockey, that uh, maybe they figure that, uh, and again, not that personnel isn't important for certain types of systems, but I don't get the sense in hockey that there's quite anything like the whole difference between the 4-3 and the 3-4 in the NFL and uh, the, the makeup of, uh, of some of these NBA teams, uh, of the way that they're trying to build around certain superstars. Do they just feel that uh, maybe the coaches are a little bit schematically a little bit more interchangeable, perhaps, or... What would kind of make hockey a little bit more reactionary uh, on this as far as a team getting off to a slow start? That's it. You're done, if you agree with the premise, that is. Well, 
I, I agree with the premise to the point if they feel like the team is tuning out the message, then then you have a problem. Because, you know, most teams have two high-salary players, and, and the rest are all good secondary and, and such players and that. And if you're not getting a lot of juice out of those top guys, they're going that there, then they do start to look at the coach. And if it's a, a situation where they feel like the players are tuning out the coach, like the leaks were with Babcock, then they were going to go make that change now, even though we thought, well, if Tom had this season. But they didn't want to wait that long because they didn't want to let possible playoff chances for this year slip through their fingers. So they didn't do that. And then, of course, we found out all the things that we found out and found out what a bad guy Babcock is. We thought he was just a jerk and went way beyond that. Uh, and, and I think the culture change in the NHL isn't really just because Babcock. I think it, there's been people trying to get this point across for a couple of years, and it just, for whatever reason, where we are in the world, it, it hit hockey this year, and I, and I think it's for the better. But, you know, getting back to the Leafs, they, you know, they win a few games, now they're sort of like in this 500 mode area and outside of the playoffs, which is not where they expect it to be, they play 30 games. So, you know, in the next 52 games, they, they have to figure it out. You go look at the bad guy, I said I would have fired John Cooper during the summer, but everybody thought, but you can't, Russ, because they just gave him an extension. And I'm like, well, we should never give a coach an extension just because he's having a great regular season until you see how the whole season went. And the whole season didn't go great. They got eliminated in the first round. Now they're even worse. They still should make the playoffs with the first round they have, but they're going to limp in, and I don't think they're going to have a good playoff anyhow. So if they even make it, which right now they're, how many points out? They're six points out of the wild card. It's not looking good. John Cooper could get fired any minute. Like, if, you know, if they decide that this team has tuned him out after Wade Point gets his money and Kucherov got his money and everything else, you know, they could make a change. Now, when people say, well, you know, they don't want to keep that money on John Cooper, well, John Cooper's the real good name in his league. And if he goes out there and he's on the market, Tampa's only going to have to pay his salary the rest of the year. He'll probably get a job next year. And then there's a book. People forget about that part of it. So nobody's job is really safe when it comes to that. Yeah, that's true. If the, if the, if the expectations are there, that's the whole key. Well, yeah, I mean, and if, if Tampa Bay, I understood bringing him back even after the playoff disappointment, but with a roster that is arguably the most skilled in the league, if they miss the playoffs altogether, yeah, sorry, you're done. I mean, that's there's, there's no excuse for that. Uh, as far as it goes with Babcock, you know, I hear you on that because this is one of these deals where when he was with the Red Wings, who I famously, uh, that's my team, you know, it was a thing most of the time with the Red Wings, it was just kind of like the way it was when LeBron James was playing for my Cavs. Like, he's on my team, so I back him. But, you know, absent the personal warmth, shall we say. Because with me, with Babcock, and it, it's not that it was a sign of anything else that we have found out. It was just something that rubbed me the wrong way. In 2006, when Steve Eiserman appeared to get the brunt of, uh, you, you remember the whole Chuck Knoll, Terry Bradshaw, it's time to get on with your life. I, I felt the way yeah. Babcock shoved him out the door. I mean, Eiserman's my favorite athlete in any sport ever. So from there on in, it was like, okay, I'm not real fond of Mike Babcock. He's maybe the best coach in the league. Uh, I'm glad he's coaching my team. 
won the Red Wings another cup and another Eastern Conference championship from there. But, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of rooting for a Mike Babcock team despite not being real fond of him personally. And maybe that's why a, a lot of the, Red, or the, uh, the Maple Leafs fans were looking at things up until the time when the team really kind of started to go south. But then, like you said, these things have come out about him. Subsequently, the Calgary Flames have made a coaching change because of unearthed, uh, I believe, abuse matters uh, that, uh, that were, yeah. were unearthed. And uh, so th this is one of these things where, much like in the world two years ago with the whole Me Too kind of thing happening here, in hockey it's a different kind of thing, albeit ironically that has kind of manifested itself in the junior leagues as past incidences of actual abuse have come to light there. But the way that coaches are throwing their weight around at the NHL level, like you said, it's kind of having a moment. And I agree with you in the sense of that being a good thing because I do believe in the virtues of toughness and strength and all that kind of stuff, but there's nothing I hate more than a fake tough guy. I've said on the show I'm not a big fan of Bill O'Brien of the Houston Texans. He kind of rubs me as a fake tough guy. I hate that kind of crap, and if that's get, getting rubbed out of the NHL, this kind of bullying for the sake of bullying kind of thing in terms of leadership, I agree with you. That'd be a positive. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm reading this thing in the Detroit Free Press, about Chris Chelios, who is now saying that Backpack tried to bench him for the Winter Classic when it was in Chicago. Of course, I covered that. And he said that he tried to help me scratch me in the outdoor game because he knew it was his hometown. Just things were so unnecessary just to show that he's the boss. And he got a minute 57 on his time before being benched in that game, which, again, maybe because Chris Chelios was a little, little bit older, he wasn't playing well in that game. I, look, I saw Petcock hit Spezza, and he benched him first home game in Toronto. Of course, all of his family was going to be there. He's from the area, and he didn't play. But in this particular situation, basically, Chelio says he was drinking on the bench. <laughs> and so, you know, he's drinking beer. And i got to be honest, I don't think I believe him on this, because I don't even think Mike Babcock would allow that. Okay. I, I, I can hear you. I, 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 that, that point so I makes sense. What I'm saying is, every time we hear stories from players about these coaches, you have to now decide if it's true or not, and then have to hear corroborating stories from other players so that we know it's true. Well, right now, this is just Chelios just, to me, spouting off. Right. Could be. And, and it pains me to say that because I'm a Chelly guy, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. Th that's got to be further substantiated. The whole thing about him not getting even a lot of... Even the press, look, even the press said they weren't not immediately able to verify the claim. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder why. But, uh, you know, uh, again... He said it on the Spit and Chicklet show, which again, you know, take that for what it's worth. So, that's what I'm saying. You, it's a minefield right now. It, it is, it is. And, you know... While we're on this subject, before we, you know, sort of segue back to anything on ice, this appears to be uh, the spot to kind of bring this up, that, that we have seen uh, something that uh, is, is very, very, very monumental in the world of hockey, and that uh, perhaps it's, it's been sort of building to this in recent years, but uh, what we can, I think, say is, in terms of all mass media in hockey, dude's doing a podcast now, and uh, not not the rank on podcasts because hey, this is one. 
But uh, right. Don Cherry is probably done in major media, which is, again, I, I always say to people down here in the States, because, again, I, I some of the circles I run in are a little bit different than yours, Russ. Not being on the East Coast, I'm in flyover yep. country. In certain areas of flyover country, people aren't as conversant with hockey. And the way that I always just kind of say it is just, just to give a frame of reference. Ironically, their politics couldn't be more different. But I always say, like, the Howard Cosell of Canada. Like, the, the, the towering sports media figure in the country, the way that Cosell used to be down here. And it's a thing where I, I, I got into a little bit of an uh, argument with a friend of mine on Facebook about this. Uh, actually, my, I'll, just, I'll just say it. My friend Paul Teeple that I used to do a show with, uh, the old Sports Talk Network. And uh, Teeps is, you know, God bless him, he's a very woke fella. And, you know, his, the, you know, it's about time Don Cherry was relegated to the dustbin of history. And I took issue with that. And, and again, I, I'm not going to defend how he said what he said. I think he was just trying to make a patriotic point. He's an 85-year-old guy. They don't always speak so precise, shall we say. And, uh, my God, uh, the, the things that come out of the mouth of the average 85-year-old are <laughs> a lot worse than I, that. I know about that. Yeah. I don't have to say, though, I did not defend him. And I was not upset that they did that. I think the biggest thing is, however he did mean to say it, yeah. he's going because he wouldn't apologize. Right. Because Don Shelley doesn't think he did anything wrong, and that's probably just as the problem as anything. Right, right. And, well, and, and the irony is that, that for as much as people wanted to take his comments, and hey, he's talking about immigrants, and sort of like make it a racial kind of a thing, who does Don Cherry seem to hate more than anybody else? White European immigrants. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was racial. Nobody hates a dude from from Sweden or Russia like that guy. So I mean, I don't. No, but, this... but you know, the, 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 the controversy of it was. I mean, it did sound like immigrants. But even if it's not, and you make a point there, anybody wearing a poppy that day, if it fell off, Don Cherry would be like, "You're not on. You're you're unpatriotic, basically." Mm -hmm. And of course, that's not true. Right. And, you know, again, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not going to defend the way it came out of his mouth. I understand the sentiment. I, I applaud that I believe he's a very patriotic guy. And I'm, I'm just, where I got into it with uh, my old buddy Teeple was uh, he was doing the whole dancing on the grave kind of a thing. And I just, you know, again, I'll just say I don't think that's appropriate for a legend and uh, somebody who, you know, has uh, brought as much joy and entertainment to as many people as he has over a period of time. So that is something that, uh, yeah, his 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 career came to a halt uh, from the time from when we last uh, convened to do this, Russ, which was right at the beginning of the season. So between then and now, yeah. several weeks ago, this went down, and he is done, and uh, probably just going to be. Uh, doing the podcast gig from here on in, and maybe, maybe something else uh, on the margins of the major media, but even that might take a while to play out. Uh, in terms of... We're in early, early December, and look at how the landscape has changed just for all these things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a weird, and like I said, in, in comparing it to the Me Too moment, because that's a thing in terms of a big cultural land shift because I, I mean I, I remember at the time I mean you know you, you, you'd roll out of bed in the morning and be like Charlie Rose is out of a job Matt Lauer's out of a job like all these things right. happening and and hockey seems to be getting and it's not the same cause it's not oh they were all inappropriately sexually harassing women or whatever it's different causes different things but 
let's let's just say the commonality, Russ, and the thing that they have in common with the folks from 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 the Me Too movement, running afoul of the way the world is in 2019. I think that's a catch-all that binds all of these folks, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, and just the cultural mores, where we're at, and again, and 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 we can all debate. Uh, you know how much of this is is, is for the positive, and uh, I I might uh, say that uh, you know not all of it is, uh, particularly in terms of the sensitivity of people. But uh, again, you got to be realistic in terms of keeping your job, and there are trade-offs when you work for major corporations, and uh, you know that's, well, that's what. A, that's a point right there that you make that's very strong, and and the NHL is going to come out with rules and guidelines about their culture, and I think that's smart. They're going to. They're going to. And that's, uh, I, I know that when I was sort of going back and forth with people about this again, he doesn't like the, the, the terminology. I feel that he is somebody that is representative of it anyways, of one of these cancel culture people. I am not a fan in any way, shape, or form of cancel culture. Uh, and, and I think that uh, a little bit of that kind of got Don Cherry. But by the same token, again, you know, he, he did not recognize the realities of the world in 2019 and that you can't just say things the way that you said things. Uh, hell, even six months ago in some ways. Although six months ago, this would have gotten him in trouble. I don't know how many years you'd have to go back for what Don Cherry said to be uncontroversial. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was one where uh, that, that ended his career. So, so many monumental things happening off the ice, on the ice. I'm curious to know, uh, in, in terms of your, your theories, you've always got good theories here on stuff. Uh, it's been a very exciting product on ice this year, even more so than usual. Uh, some of the key characteristics of the way the game has gone uh, over the first chunk of the season. Higher scoring, more comebacks. More overtime yeah, games. Yeah, but there's too many, too many overtimes, too many shootouts, though. Okay. It's kind of like a double-edged sword. I, I don't like that aspect of it. Yeah, and there is, uh, and, and, and again, things can go too far, and you know, there there can be such a thing as, as too much offense in sports. Uh, you know, I, I always say that in football, you know, for me, the sweet spot is like, you know, a 23 to 17 game. You know, I, I don't, although again. You know, you, you give me a choice between uh, the Eagles-Patriots Super Bowl and, and uh, the Rams-Patriots one, and I take the Eagles-Patriots one hands down, not least of which because the Patriots lost. But, you know, push comes to shove, I'd rather have a lot of scoring than no scoring, but somewhere in the middle is where I'm at. I don't know if I'm representative of the average fan, but in the NHL, uh, again, you know, we would lose patience, I think, with things. It would stop being exciting if every game was 8-7. to seven. So there, there does have to be a middle ground here. I think there does, but what bugs me is like every game tonight has, is, a, is a plus one, plus two differential, and and that's because coaches are just doing so much work to get these players to prevent goals, mm -hmm. anything they can, keep the middle free, get the puck out quick, skate the puck out quick, prevent shots, block shots, and so we do get some exciting games, and then some games are like, wow, 15 minutes went by and we didn't have shots on goal. So kind of like a mixed bag. Right. Around that, that time frame. Defensively just don't do that anymore. Even 
have that going on. Uh, you have Kale McCarr, who so far is running away with the, uh, with the Calder, and he literally went from college last year to the NHL playoffs, did well in the playoffs, and now he's playing, and he's the best rookie out there, and he's one of the best defensemen in the league. And Colorado, as a result, has, you know, again, for all the really just the garbage that Joe Sackett had to listen to for a couple of years, they're an elite franchise now, and even with all their injuries, and it's ranted out at times, they had they were missing guys here and there, but McKinnon has really pushed that team, having a hard-level season, and so you have them, and St. Louis is ahead of them. Like, we rarely ever see a team where we say, you know, is there a chance that they could repeat? And there is absolutely a chance, because they made a trade for Justin Falk, and they got Bob Armstrong there, the GM got aggressive, and so... They've got the most points in the West. That's really impressive considering there is no tough hangover that's sort of showing there. So, a lot of great teams, Boston as well. Always could be, you know, the Islanders are doing way better than, than expected for sure. Again, cutting down that differential, we talked about it preseason. It's working. Game will change though in the postseason. We know that. I'm not sure the Islanders will go far if they can't put up goals in the postseason because that's sort of victimized them last year. But at the end of the day, Right now, there's a lot of teams that that could win it, and for me, that's exciting. And the fact that there's a lot of things that could happen, like I said with Carlson and other records. Now, Ovechkin, who I thought might retire early, basically hinted, "Well, after breaks Gretzky's goal record, he'll retire." Right. And like just just the fact that there's somebody who could break Gretzky's goal record is incredible. You know, Lundqvist, I think is fifth now or fourth. I think he's fourth now. I think he passed. Somebody else recently, and I think he's, I think he passed Belfort. I want to say it's Belfort. I know he passed Cujo, and I think he may have passed Belfort, but he, he's right up there now, top five, all-time goal. Like, that's something where, you know, it's cool to see. So there's a lot of stuff converging this year. There really is, and, uh, you know, Leon Dresidel, what he's been doing in uh, Edmonton oh, has yeah. really been uh, off the charts. But uh, last thing I want to ask you about uh, is, and again, you mentioned uh, the way that St. Louis has been playing. Coincidentally, and I don't know when's the last time this happened, but just as I was driving home before this taping tonight, channel surfing as I always do, what comes on the radio in one of these stations but Gloria? <laughs> I was like, well, there's a sign right there. But as much as I truly loathe putting over any team in any sport from Boston, you mentioned it in passing there, what the Bruins are doing. And a lot of times, if you're looking at a Stanley Cup hangover, yeah, you might expect it to be St. Louis, and, oh, they've been partying all summer and whatever. But when you're the team that lost Game 7 on your own ice, much less the way that they did, uh, again, it pains me to the core of my soul to put over what they're doing right now. But running away with the Atlantic Division is something I certainly didn't see coming. No, I thought they would uh, maybe be a long-term team this year because of that. That happened. By the way, luck with Smith, he is chasing Belfort, but he passed through job. So it's pretty much on the money there, but I wasn't sure about the Belfort part. So I think he can get as high as that. I don't think he'll get as high as the one. But back to, um, back to the Bruins, it, it's amazing. They are undefeated at home. They have plus 35 differential. Seems like they're practicing Wilson Smith with on. It has good young players. It's all working. They have a great goalie tandem. Halak is going crazy for them. Rask is always been great, even though the fans have been at odds with them. Again, look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, sir. They've been missing everybody. Four or five players have been out. I mean, it's just, it, it's been unbelievable. Malcolm was out for a long time. They only have three home losses. They don't have any other players that even achieve like Boston and, and somehow they're right in the thick of it again. 
So it just shows the greatness of Sidney Crosby. So yeah, it, it, it's a fun season. Last thing I want to say though, that not hockey related, but I just feel like I need to get to that. Go ahead. And I mean, I so seven quarterbacks selected in the NFL 100. Not one of them is named Terrell Rivas. He was a Buffalo, and I just think that's garbage. It, it, I saw Mel Blunt play. Mel Blunt was great. He was part of a great defense. Rivas was better than Mel Blunt because Rivas didn't have a great defense. He was the defense. Willie Knight Train Lane. I'll leave alone because I, I don't know enough about Willie Knight Train Lane. Uh, Woodson. I'll say Woodson. He belongs on the list, I, I think, and yeah, they called it Revis Island for a reason. The, the guys who are the yeah. true shutdown cover corners who you could put on somebody are rare. Last note I'll leave you with, which is also non-hockey, I want to congratulate you uh, as a Mets fan for having your franchise liberated from its cheap ownership. Mine isn't going to be anytime soon. We're going to lose Frankie Lindor because of these Dolan a-holes, so at least your franchise was liber uh, liberated. Congratulations, Russ. Well, I appreciate it. It's going to be five years down the line, but five years after this year, so six years, there will be a party in City Field. I will send out invites. It will be a very happy day. <laughs> I'll look forward to being there, and uh, I will mark it on my calendar already, but... Uh, Always a pleasure going through the NHL landscape with you, uh, Russ Cohen. Uh, I know you've always got uh, a lot of book projects going on here, uh, everything going great with uh, Sportsology as well. Thank you so much for making time for us, my man. No, thanks, Rick. Always great to catch up with you. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1172. As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all Clear Channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, IamBoard.com, Billboard.com, Google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse and the Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements.